Hey, Amanda. Hey, Tommy. Hey, I have bad news. There is a asteroid heading towards Earth. It's bigger than Texas. And the only person that can save us is Michael Bay. And Bruce Willis? Yeah, him too, because he knows how to drill into rocks, but they can't teach that to astronauts. Absolutely not. Well, obviously, we're going to be talking about Armageddon. It is, and that's today. And can we talk about... The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Well, Mr. Stamper, what do you think? You know, drilling's a science. It's an art. I'm a third-generation driller, doing it all my life, and I still haven't got it all figured out. I assume you sent for me because somebody told you I was the best. Well, I'm only the best because I work with the best. If you don't trust the men you're working with, you're as good as dead. If you want to send these boys into space, fine. I'm sure they'll make good astronauts. But they don't know jack about drilling. All they got to do is drill. That's it. No spacewalking, no crazy astronaut stuff? Just drill. How many men were you planning on taking up there? We're sending up two shuttles, two teams. If I do this, I'm gonna to want to take my own men. You got it. So you're saying you'll help us? Yes, sir. Can we talk about Armageddon? Oh, yeah. The cinematic 1999 masterpiece by Michael Bay. Uh, 1998. You got to get it right. What? You got to get it. Uh, uh, in my research, it said 99. Wow. Oh, no. You used chat GPT or something. It was way off. It I was the summer, summer of 1998 was Armageddon. And it was like hilarious. It was like the year of asteroid movies because a couple months yeah. before, didn't Deep Impact come out? Yeah, I always forget which one came first. Was it Deep Impact? Deep or Impact, was it... I think, was first. Because I remember okay. seeing a comment and it was like, Armageddon is the best masterpiece movie since yeah. Deep Impact, which was four months before. Not even. Closer. So Deep Impact hit theaters May 8th, 1998. Two months later, J- June 30th is when oh, Armageddon man. came out. So They weren't messing around. The year of asteroids. This is like the movie that's used as the example of like, oh, two similar movies to come out at the same time. The other one is, is typically like The Prestige. And what's the other one? Oh, now I forgot it, too. That's I don't know. <laughs> you don't know that one? No. Um, It's the one with Edward Norton. But The Prestige is the Christopher Nolan one. And uh, what was that? who did I say? Edward Norton? Uh, you sure did. Yeah. What movie was that? Oh, I'll find it. He's in so many. Oh, The, the Illusionist? Yeah, The Illusionist. Um, which came out, let's figure this out. So The Illusionist came out August 18th of 2006 and The Prestige came out October 20th, 2006. So okay. that, that was a little All bit right. closer, right? A little so, bit closer. So yeah. we're doing this one this week 
not only is it a cinematic masterpiece, but our sister podcast, In Sync, yep. also did the needle drop. I don't want to miss a thing by Aerosmith. Yeah. So listen to that episode. And this is probably not going to be as well researched. It's probably going to be a lot more Amanda and Tommy making fun of it. But yeah. I will say, and I'm not embarrassed to admit, I, this movie still holds up for me. Okay. We rewatched the <laughs> last night. Yeah, and same here. There's a definite like, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll talk about all the plot holes. Yeah. But there is a... I'm very emotional when I watch this movie. And I think there's different really? storylines that made me emotional. Like Chicken as Kid. I remember that making yeah. me emotional. But like rewatching it last night, I was I was a wreck. <laughs> at when were we texting each other at like 11 or 12? Yeah. Oh, my God. I was a wreck. But <laughs> I <laughs> crying my eyes out. Really? I always do in this movie. Yeah. Maybe there's like a daughter father relationship issue there yeah. you know i'm still working through that <laughs> therapy but <laughs> i don't know again very different yeah. i think well okay 1998 i was in fifth grade okay so yeah this was like you know a big deal romance wise i was like oh my god they're so in love and ben affleck is so beautiful <laughs> so there's that but like yeah. before we get into that we should probably talk about I don't know the like you know, as if people don't already know who's in this cast, who made the movie, all of that kind of stuff. Oh man, okay. So that's the thing about this movie. So I want to say this right up front too, because I've been like holding this in, and I kept saying it to my wife. I'm last nervous night. to do this one with you. After I watched it last night, I was like, he is going to tear this fucking movie apart, and I'm over here crying mess. Yeah, no, True probably or false, Tom. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So I have seen the Barbie movie. You're going to see the Barbie movie, and today, we'll, we'll, okay, yes, and there'll be a pot. The, the next episode will be about uh, Barbie, which I won't be in because it is very much a female empowerment movie. That's not a surprise to anybody. Most people who have seen it, especially, uh, understand what I'm saying. This movie, as we're watching it, and I was watching with my wife, who you'll be doing the episode of Barbie with. As I'm watching it, I'm like, this is the opposite of Barbie. It's the complete okay. opposite. Okay. It is, first off, you have to put this into perspective. This is 1998, right? Yes. A year earlier, we had Independence Day, which was a big deal. Well, the, I feel like these were the the like 10 years of blockbuster movies, right? Where we yeah. all ignored plot holes. We ignored things because yeah. we just wanted a good popcorn, see it in the movie theater movie. Yeah, yeah. but that was the thing is this movie... <laughs> This movie, first off, this by, is the, by Michael most, Bay. the most Michael Bay movie ever made. You know, people always reference like Transformers and stuff. No, 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 no. This is the most Michael Bay movie I've ever seen. The other thing you have to remember to put yourself back into 1998, right? This is. I never left. Pre, so, yeah, it's easy. Pre 9 11, right? America like had no concept of anything bad happening at like a at a major scale there were like little things here and there you know like you know things obviously happen in the world but we didn't have 9-11 we didn't have covid and so the thing that always stands out to me especially in these like pre-2000s especially pre-2001 kind of movies is like when the president's giving an address and people are you know michael bay's doing that swooping shot of like people sitting in an old ford from like 1940 something forward. I love those shots. I love them. I love them. That is like the people who you know talk about patriotism and stuff like that. It is a wet dream. That is just 
sweeping shots of like farmland, people sitting in an old oh, an old pickup truck with like an American flag waving. Wait, I just said sign me up. I didn't mean for the other part. I meant just like <laughs> I, I like the emotion of those scenes. Okay. <laughs> and the best the other thing too is and it's so clear, right? If you understand how movies are made, there's the second unit who goes out and shoots a lot of the B-roll, anything that has to, like it doesn't involve the main cast. And it's funny because every time there's like a like a a plot point about like, you know, something bad happening or like an asteroid piece coming into the atmosphere and and destroying people and cities, there's all these like beauty shots of like whatever random city we're in for a second. It's like, all right, well, it hits New York, which it was obviously filmed in Los Angeles. It wasn't even filmed in New York. You can kind of tell. And asteroid pieces are are blowing stuff up. There's uh, by the way, did you I, I don't we're 90s kids. So did you notice the who the cab driver was in the beginning? No. Do you remember TGIF uh, hanging with Mr. Cooper? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah, it was, it was, hanging, Mr. It was Mr. Cooper. No. <laughs> it was. <sighs> yeah, uh, that was. Um, sorry, uh, that's Mark Curry, comedian Mark Curry. Like he was he was the cab driver. It's incredible. Stereotypical tourist in the background going, I want to go shopping. And he's doing quips. And the other thing, too, I got to point out, I keep saying it was the opposite of Barbie. Every woman in this movie is minimized to being one of just like very few things. The first woman we meet in the entire movie, there is this guy who has like a giant telescope and she comes in and she's just berating him like, I'm not your slave. Like, I'm not here to just give you her food. Her like, by the way. And that's Dottie. who the asteroid is named after. Okay. What do you say? She's a soul-psyching vicious bitch. <laughs> but that's the thing is like the first woman we meet in the movie, right, is completely minimized to just being like a... Like just an annoying, you know, ball and chain wife who's nagging his her husband. Literally, he's screaming, "Give me my damn address book or my phone book or whatever." The and phone like, book. go get the phone, the phone book. book. <laughs> right, and it's played for like, oh yeah, no, she should totally get the phone book. It's not played for like, oh my god, this guy's a like just berating his wife. It's the opposite. Every woman, even the female pilot, like towards the end of the movie, whose name I actually forgot, but I, I don't feel bad because it's a Michael Bay movie. It's not like it's an ingrained in you is sort of minimized to like, she's just running around the ship. My wife is like, wait, where did she come from? She's the whole movie at the end. She's just running around the ship, quote unquote, like getting it ready. She's just like frantic. Like, oh, look at the hysterical yeah. woman. Right. She's just, just running around with papers hysterical. in her hands. And then when the ship doesn't start, the comic relief Russian guy is just like, you make it work like Russian parts. And then just hits it with a wrench and then it goes and that negates everything she's been working on. I will on. tell you, there's like a feel good... <laughs> Like, I love, I love him. I love. <laughs> the just, comic relief over the com- top stereotypical like, Russian guy. Maybe the end of the comic relief Russian guy. I don't think maybe Stranger Things was the last time we're going to get the comic relief from the yeah. Russian character. I don't think we're going to be getting a lot of Russian characters written into our movies for a while. <laughs> just saying. Um, I- the guy who played him, uh, Peter Stormar, I hope I'm saying that right. He was in a bunch of movies. On the other end of the spectrum, aside from playing stereotypically, like, he was in Fargo. He was like one of the guys in, in yeah. Fargo, if you remember. Yes. He was in The Big Lebowski. So he was in a few of the Coen Brothers movies, too. Very funny guy. But yeah, and there's a lot of like characters thrown in for like, ah, it's comic relief. You know, that's yeah. basically Steve Buscemi's character, which is fine. I'm, I'm not trashing Wait, that. Have we talked about this, that my childhood best friend's mom is convinced that my fiance looks like Steve Buscemi? Have we talked about this? No, and he does not look like Steve Buscemi. Okay. Hold on, though. 
Right now, Google the Steve Buscemi's FDNY picture when he was in the FDNY. And she thinks my fiance is like the most handsome man. And she thinks Steve Buscemi is the most handsome man. But she always says young Steve Buscemi. No, 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 no. You don't see it? I don't see it. Even him, he sees it. No, 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 no. All right. Who have I said before your fiance looks like? Well, everyone tells me he looks like a crossbreed of Tiger Woods and Justin Timberlake if they had a love child. No, remember I I think young Brendan Fraser. Yes, I I I think I said young Brendan Fraser. He said he got that in college a lot, so. Okay. I don't know. There's a lot. That's good for my lady lines. So we like that. But back to the movie, Steve Buscemi and Billy Bob Thornton. There was a time where everyone was like, I guess Steve Buscemi said like a table read or something. He's like, why are me and Billy Bob here? Like, why are we in this movie? And Michael Bay straight up said it's because we needed like legitimate actors, like actors, actors in the movie. And that's why they got the two of them. But also, if you remember in the 90s. Mm Even Billy Bob Thornton said he's like he was used to playing such very serious roles. Yeah. But I feel like this was the beginning of him playing some sort of presidential. Right. Like he just keeps popping up as presidents, FBI agents after this. Yeah. I was going to say, like, we're we're talking like mid or late 90s. Billy Bob Thornton, like he was in a few other movies, but yeah, you're right. He always played. Like a character with like a nuance to it. Like he was yeah, in a simple always. plan in 1998 also, which is like where he kind of plays like someone with like a, a mental disability. And they're also, is that the one where they're thieves also? Or am I confusing that with a, I think I'm confusing oh, I don't that know. I didn't see movie. it. He was in Sling Blade a couple of years before that, right? Which was, he was definitely like character acting. Right. And then after um, this, all of a sudden he becomes like, he's always the head government official or the head of the Secret Service or, or the president. Uh, I will say, side note, have did you ever see the Fargo TV series? Yeah, of course I have. I okay. freaking love Amazing it. Amazing in that. Like, it's the first so season, good. yeah. He plays Disgusting the very player. sexist asshole American president in Love Actually. That's yeah, right, yeah. He's That's the one who hits on bitch. uh yeah. Hugh Grant's love lady. interest there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Back to the movie. So yeah. if you haven't seen this movie, don't know what the fuck to tell you. <laughs> it's probably gonna be real life soon. Who knows? We have aliens now, but Essentially, there is an asteroid the size of Texas, which is impossible, flying to Earth, and they only have 18 days before it hits and kills everybody. And so in order to break the asteroid up, they have to drill into it. So they think, let's get some oil riggers and oil drillers to come train them to be astronauts in one week, and we will bring them up into space. And we will have them drill 300 feet, or was it 300 feet? 800 feet. 800 feet. Yeah. Bruce Willis is like, I have never missed my mark. So that is it. Yeah. That's the story. And famously now, I think, the InSync podcast played the clip on their episode as well. The commentary to this movie, if we're going back to like DVDs, has Ben Affleck doing some commentary. And part of it, he- Share, he basically pokes holes in the entire concept and plot of the movie and talks about how he mentioned it to Michael Bay and he just told him to shut up. Shut the fuck up, actually. Shut the fuck up, yeah. Yeah. He said, this is a real plan. This is one of NASA's <laughs> real plans. <laughs> the logic he broke was, you're saying that it's easier to train oil drillers to become astronauts than train- In one week. Astronauts in one week. That's the other thing, too. The whole concept of time in this movie is- so frustrating. Incredible. They have just found out in the course of 24 hours mm-hmm. that they're going to be going on this mission. And in the yeah. course of 24 hours, AJ, played by Ben Affleck, has now purchased his own yes! oil company. 
With a I sign. That He's too. already working it. Can I just tell you the way they set that up too? And it doesn't make any sense. It clearly feels like almost like something they injected after because they're in the South China Sea, which is where we meet them in, on their oil rig. Mm-hmm. And for r- random reasons, because this is really what happens, like investors or whoever it is come to visit the oil rig and then all of a sudden everything goes wrong and oil is all over the the rich people and everything. Yeah. Bruce Willis Incredible. owns an oil rigging company. That's the that's that part of the plot. He fires Ben Affleck, A.J. Frost. Because he's fucking his daughter. Right. And then in the midst of that, that's when the government says, you know, Bruce, come with us. And then they take him to Texas. Right, because mm-hmm. they take him to like the NASA facility in Texas. So they go from the South China Sea to Texas. Then at in Texas, they reveal the whole plan. And the next day, in again, to your point, in 24 hours later, that's when they introduce Bruce Willis to like, oh, here are mm-hmm. all the astronauts who've been training to be oil drillers. And then the giant plot hole there of like, okay, no, he's like, no, I, I need my men. They're the best, right? And then he's like, well, all right, he's going to go out and get his men now. The okay. FBI... Don't you dare gloss over that scene because that's the best. When yeah. he starts naming each of them and they show where they are in real time. Yes. I love it. They're all degenerates. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan, RIP, was just being chased by the FBI in helicopter. Again, very Michael Bay. Just helicopters and, I love and, it. and oh, cars and, and just all the generic police characters is always funny to me in the Michael Bay movies. But... Then in the midst of like the FBI rounding everybody up, then he somehow flies to wherever Ben Affleck is and even just say, OK, let's say he's in Florida. Let's say he's like off the in the Gulf Coast now all of a sudden. Yes, the camera shows up. We, we, we enter the scene and there's a giant sign that's like A.J. Frost drilling, A.J. Frost, president of the company or whatever. And it's just like in 24 hours, he got fired and then started his own company. And he's at work already. It's like he's just he's working on a job. He's already (laughs) gone out to rake. He's he's oiled. There's so much oil work. You can literally buy a company and like be in it it within Mm -hmm. like 24 hours, 24 hours. And then my my favorite part after that, too, is and this is what's weird. There's some continuity thing messed up here. And this is why I'm like, I feel like this is one of those things where someone's like, oh, there's got to be a scene where like, you know, Bruce Willis's character goes and tries to lure Ben Affleck's character back. Because we see Bruce Willis at the center, mm-hmm. like NASA Center in Texas, then cut. Suddenly he's on an oil rig or like a shore where Ben Affleck has a company now, mm-hmm. convinces him to come back. And then it cuts back. And then they're all getting out of cars because <laughs> the FBI rounded everybody up at the exact same time, wherever they were on the planet. And they all just arrive at the Kennedy, not Kennedy Space Center, but like the, uh, the one in Texas, all at the same time. Yeah, they just all like like all they their got cars pull up from to the, the hotel table Kennedy. at Caesar's yep. Palace in Las Vegas, <laughs> and then all of a sudden Bruce Willis is like wearing the same clothes he was before he went to go see Ben Affleck. Like it almost like it never happened. It's almost well, like the scene was inserted didn't. somehow. So makes absolutely no sense. A lot of logic burning here in general. The other one that my I'll, I'll give my I'll give credit. I think my son picked up on. He's like, doesn't it take like a month to get to the moon? And I'm like, I, I, yeah, there's, it's not, well, I don't know. I, don't, I forget how long it actually is, but it's not within hours. And so they go into space in modified space shuttles, which I'll get back to that in a second. Okay. I don't, I don't need to fully tear down the logic of this movie, right? The movie itself doesn't care about logic too much. So we, that, like the fact that they're using space shuttles when the whole point of a space shuttle was to, you know, go into lower orbit and, you know, into space <laughs> and then come back. It doesn't have, that's why it's like, 
oh, why didn't we just send a space shuttle to the moon? Because you can't do that. Like there's reasons in rocket science. That's why they use the other rockets with little capsules and fly them that way. You can't just jettison a, you know, okay, NASA space Tom, shuttle. But into- guess what NASA didn't have before this? What's that? Bruce Oil Willis. drillers? Bruce Willis. <laughs> okay. And I also find it funny too. It's like, aside from William fin- uh, Fitchner, there's just like generic NASA pilot person, generic NASA tech. There are people who like literally are on the spaceship with them. Their roles are called like NASA tech. But yeah, then they continue on to space. They randomly stop at the space station to refuel so we can have another like action element there. And then they and then they continue on to space and then slingshot around the moon within a couple hours after going into space. Obviously. Duh. And after they do that, then they have like eight hours to actually land on the moon before it hits the planet. So it took them how long to get mm-hmm. to the asteroid and then it's going to take eight hours. Yeah. Now, one of the things, and I will say, I remember watching this at my dad's house one weekend. My dad is a mechanic. Yeah. He also likes this movie. There's like a scene where Bruce Willis is like tearing apart the like drill that NASA created. Yeah. It's like when they and first get like, introduced to like, it yeah, and they're like pulling never parts gonna out. Work. Yeah. What's I remember this, my a dad, big ice cream scoop? Yeah, my dad <laughs> being out. like, as if NASA doesn't know how to build a transmission. Yeah. <laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> He's like, this no, tranny is never going to work. That's what I mean is like this movie is just like to go back for a second. You do realize in the beginning of the movie when we get introduced to Bruce Willis, he's uh, hitting golf balls off his oil rig and trying to hit people on a Greenpeace protest boat. That's yeah. the opening of our introduction into into. Oh, it sure know. is. But like. No, I'm just going to say this. Yeah. I can do this. And I don't know that you Uh can. And I certainly know that Kyle, who is our fellow podcaster of Gotham West, I know that he cannot. Uh I can turn the logical part of my brain off when watching movies like this to enjoy the other part. I don't think that you can do that from a movie watching because you're too well versed in the cinematic world. Where I'm like, I yeah. can be, you are like, he's doing this shot for this reason. Where I'm just like, this is magical. <laughs> and this whole movie, I think, is you have to live in the brain space of, wow, <laughs> look at this. It's so beautiful. Otherwise, it's a pile of poop. You're kind of right. And I'll say this. I can suspend belief for a lot of things, right? I absolutely can. It is in my wheelhouse to suspend belief for certain things, but there are certain things where it's like, it's one thing to be like, all right, Hey, NASA took the space shuttles and they created new versions of them that are kind of built for combat or whatever the hell they were supposed to be built for. Cause when we're explained like why they built these drilling machines, why they built, you know, the spaceship that ends up going to the uh, asteroid, it's all because they were supposed to be doing a mission to the moon. Right. And so it's like, all right, suspend belief this is why they're doing it or this is why they built this that's all fine i get it the space shuttle is not meant to actually go outside lower orbit but okay i can suspend belief for a second and you know whatever it might be those are things where it's like all right in this world in this universe this is what they did or this is what they built you i'm even fine for that for them to do things like they were saying like oh the skin of the space shuttle is made out of (laughs) titanium which in reality it wouldn't be because they would burn alive inside, right? Because that's the whole reason we have yeah. like the, in fact, we had a space shuttle way after this movie was released 
that lost a little spongy tile and exposed like the metal of the underside of the spacecraft and it just exploded, exploded. on reentry. Okay. Now, is it true that they use actual space launches for the footage for when this when the space shuttle launches? I don't know that. I was okay, watching hold on. it. It was too, in one of my fun out. facts. I was going to say watching it. Well, for and that's the other thing too. Can we I, like? There's a lot of things. Oh, they they filmed two launches at the Kennedy okay. Space Center in Orlando. The first was done during the daytime to practice getting camera angles and lighting. Yeah. The night launch was super intense. John Schwartzman, the director of photography, said that they're only done every 18 months. And if they didn't get it right, there is no second chance. So right. that is probably why the launches look so realistic, because they are the yeah, only no, realistic that, part fine. of the movie. That said, they launched two space shuttles next to each other. Yeah. Now, is it like, oh, well, they have to do that because they got to get up there nice and quick or it's like. No, it's just cool because then they can like roll over each other and it's cool. Like like the one in front is is jettisoning its rocket booster and there's another space shuttle with human beings right behind it in the path of like getting hit by a it's incredible. drop. Yeah, no, that's the thing too. It's like there's stuff in the movie and this is why I said it's peak Michael Bay is it's just because it's for that factor of like you were exactly talking about suspend all belief and just be like, whoa, explosions. Like, <laughs> that's what I have to do. <laughs> There, here's the thing. Now I feel like I'm, maybe I'm being too snobbish. It's, no, not at all. I'm just saying that I can become the fifth grader again when I watch yeah. movies like this, where like you have too much knowledge, where even if you tried to, you'd be like, eh, I know why you're well, doing that shot. I know what the camera's doing there. I know <laughs> well, really why funny. you just put that in there. Compared to the other uh, asteroid movie of 1998, right, which is a little bit more realistic but also really sad because it's like, oh, there's a giant asteroid coming. There's literally nothing we can do. Nothing all we can you do can is do. go hide We're in the all mountain. Dying. We're yeah. all going to die. Tay Leone's going to go sit on a beach because her dad, like, made her, like, I, I, yeah, there you go. Why no, all the asteroid movies have to have, like, dad things? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. But here's the thing. I'm fine with action set pieces. I'm fine for all that. This is just, it, it, it's Michael Bay. And he just like does things for the sake of like, it's cool. It is a movie that could have been written by a 10 year old who's just like, and then the space shuttles, they got, they, they shoot off at the same time. Like I just imagine a 10 year old just explaining the plot to this movie as they're coming up with the ideas. I do remember reading somewhere that Michael Bay was like super pissed because the costumes, uh-huh. like their space suits were so yeah. bad. And he was like super pissed because it was like right before they were supposed to start shooting. He's like, we cannot use these. So they look like like Adidas track sh- suits. <laughs> and then they eventually landed on those like orangey reddish yeah. spacesuits. And I even remember seeing those and being like, that just doesn't. Why are they orange? <laughs> well, that was the thing, too. Did you, did you pick up on the fact that the drillers are wearing orange and the yes. NASA people are wearing blue? And then at the end of the mission, there were two blue suits walking off. Uh-huh. And the one thing that was kind of funny to me, too, is we obviously lose a lot of characters through the movie. And some are their deaths are played over the top and some are just like, oh, man, he died. I know. That's it. I know. <laughs> I was like, like, they just they have that's favorites. it. We're done. No grieving. Yeah. Like when Owen Wilson dies, like there's an entire scene where I was like, oh, who is I can't even tell who that is in the costume. Right. Just Owen Wilson died when they crashed into the asteroid. And then 
Max, the guy who's drilling, is just like, Harry! And just screams Harry's name, and then the armadillo thing that that they're driving around just goes into space. They're like, oh, man. Oh, he's gone now. He has, like, one of the funniest lines to me of this whole movie when he's, like, asking them, he's like, what's it going to be like when we get up there? And the guy's like, oh, it's going to be, like, negative 200 degrees in the shade and 200 degrees Celsius in the sun and rocks that are super sharp. And he's like, okay, cool. So, like, the most... The scariest environment imaginable. Yeah. That's all you had to yeah. say. The scariest environment imaginable. And by the way, because again, Michael Bay, it was 2,000 degrees. It okay. was <laughs> negative 2,000 and then 2,000 degrees. It's like, okay, geez. Like, man, can you just take it down a notch into reality? Like, it's like, um, it's going to be hot up there, Michael. Like, what? Like, so what's hot? He's like, 2,000 degrees. All right, well, <laughs> calm down, man. There's going to be love- explosions. Well, there's also remember, wind on the asteroid when there's I was no just air. Gonna say that. This movie was made by an 11 year old. It really was just like, you know, oh man, everything about it. They said that they <laughs> shot the climax first. <laughs> like they shot that scene first. Uh-huh. And I'm not trying to sound like a dick, but like you can feel that they shot that scene first. <laughs> like the chemistry between everybody is like not there yeah. yet. Yeah. And Say what you want. I still cry my eyes out when AJ is trying to go out to blow up the asteroid, be the one that does it. And then Harry unplugs him so he can't breathe and throws him back in there. And he's like, that's my job. He's like, your job is take care of my little girl. Yeah. And then he takes his patch off and he's like, give it to whatever the guy's name is. Make sure he gets it. But that scene with Liv Tyler and her dad is really sad. And I cry oh, every time. Wait. Okay. You talk about the one where over like the video call at the end? Yes, but there's no okay. chemistry there. Like, I'm going to be honest yeah. with you. If my dad was about to die and I'm about to watch it live streaming with yeah. an extra thousand people, I'm not going to be like pretty crying. Like, no, dad, no. But you know what? Let's actually start there. Okay. So, uh, no, we got to They back shot that okay. scene first. But, right. And it's peak Michael Bay again. Mm hmm. But like, let me back up for a second. So they slingshot around the moon. They get on the asteroid. There's a point when they're like, oh, we're having trouble communicating with them. We have about seven minutes left of communications. But then, well, we can bounce it off a Russian satellite and that'll give us 12 minutes that we can like send the nuclear detonation thing remotely. And it's like, all right, cool. So now, all right, they have 12 minutes tops, right? That time expires. They do the thing. There's the entire thing where Bruce Willis is fighting with William Fincher over detonating the bomb. They come to like an agreement together because like he's a man of his word, you know, not reality. Like this guy can't promise he's going to blow up the asteroid properly. But oh, well, William Fincher, who was like the heel for a moment, then turns around and is like, I'm on your side, Bruce. And then communication is fine again, sort of to the point when at the end, Bruce Willis is having a two-way FaceTime call. Crystal clear. Crystal, Crystal clear. clear. They, the whole other time they need to like communicate in, important information. They're like, oh, they can't hear us. We can only hear them. Like the signal's going out. Oh, we lost communications. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, honey. Like and like all the screens. Like again, for no apparent reason, let's just put Bruce Willis's face on every screen in this room and Liv Tyler can have the entire control room to herself just for a moment to have this important conversation and again because every woman in this movie has to be minimized he's like hey honey i'm breaking that promise and she's like what do you mean what do you mean what do you mean 
What is wrong? Have you been watching this the whole time? <laughs> oh. Because she's just a silly woman. She doesn't understand. So, anyway, the whole communication oh. thing just doesn't make any sense. Here, here's my point. I can suspend belief on things, but don't break your own rules. You created a rule that, like, oh, after they slingshot it around the moon, now the asteroid's twisting, so we're not going to have communication with them. It's like, oh, no, that's bad. That, that makes this more difficult. That, that increases. And then they just throw that out the window once that single reason of the nuclear explosion thing was just, like, put aside. Now suddenly communication's fine. Well, yeah. That's called Michael Bay science. Did you know that they show this movie to the new Michael NASA Bay. recruits? <laughs> no, they don't. I swear to as God, a joke. as a lesson to find mistakes. And there's over a thousand <laughs> of them. Okay. That so they have get to watch the movie and make lists of the mistakes that they see. And I guess there's like 1,086 or something <laughs> like that. It's over a thousand. Like mistakes and like uh, things they do. Like, I don't know, like everything. Hitting- Parts with wrenches. How it looks, how the spaceship looks, what they're wearing. I like that. It's like a where's Waldo for what is all the bad things. Okay, this is the article that I read about it. Why NASA sometimes shows the movie Armageddon as part of training. (laughs) Because one of the most unrealistic movies ever made about space is Armageddon. (laughs) Literally (laughs) the first line. Thank you. The first line. Thank you, NASA. I can appreciate that. I'm, I'm on board with it. I'm on board. Yep. Oh, I lied. It's 186. I use okay. Michael Bay hyperbole. Uh, Michael Bay math? <laughs> yeah, so it's 186, not 1086. That's my bad. I couldn't hold this all back, but now that I've sort of unleashed all my fury against this, I feel bad because you're just like, oh man, it brings you back to a place of like... Oh, I love it. Just, you, there's nothing you can do to make me not yeah. love this movie. I love that also Michael Bay has got like such a touch of narcissism that he throws himself as cameos in all these movies he makes. I noticed you, that. He's one of the uh, astronauts yes. in this one. No, wasn't he a scientist or something? Yeah, science. Sorry, a okay. scientist in NASA. And then he's like driver in Bad Boys. Oh, he's in all that. these hilarious. I'm like, what are you doing? He even makes himself a photographer in Coyote Ugly. Wait, he was in Coyote Ugly? Yeah, he's a photographer I mean, wait, in Coyote he Ugly. did? No, but did he do Coyote Ugly? No, he I was think just he in just it, right? made a cameo. But one thing about this is it's like famously known that oil rigs don't let production sets on their rigs because it's number one, super dangerous. And number two, really fucks up their timelines for what they're doing. Okay. This is one of the only movies that were actually shot on a real functioning oil rig. And really? Michael Bay had sweet talk this oil rig. Yeah. And he basically said, like, this is really good representation for oil riggers. That's kind of what we want to do is show, like, how yeah. hard their job is and how they are very smart. And, you know, people treat them like shit. So yeah. they were like, yeah, let's do that. And so he was able to get on the Garden Banks oil rig, 180 miles from the Gulf of Texas. Wow. And they went out there the day before, set up lighting, and then they shot on there for four days. And one of my other fun facts that I love, you remember the dog that's biting the Godzilla Yes. That dog was paid $20,000 a day. <laughs> Come on. $20,000 a day. If he worked for three days, he makes more money a year than I do. All right. I, I don't know if you actually know this answer. Okay. I'll try. Do you remember what was going on in like the late 90s when it came to like all these like 10 pole movies? Do I remember what's going on? Yeah. Uh, no. So I, I, this sounds really vague, but, I, but I'm saying like. Puberty for me. Yeah. <laughs> what was going on in my house. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Independence Day came out in 1996, right? Mm-hmm. Then in like 97, I'm not saying these are the exact ones, but yeah, like Con Air in 1997, 1998 is Armageddon. And then 1999, I believe, and I'm trying to trying to figure it out right now because I, I forget what year it was. But you have, uh, yeah, I guess, oh, sorry, it was 1998. It was, I guess it was the same year this came out that the Godzilla okay. movie came out. And so I wasn't sure if the dog biting the Godzilla toy in the beginning is like a dig at Roland Emmerich because oh. Roland Emmerich is the guy who did Independence Day. Mm-hmm. And then you have this movie, which came out that same year. And it's the same like Godzilla, like like whatever the sound effect they use for the 98 Godzilla. It's the same exact one. And I feel like Michael Bay was essentially going back and forth with Roland Emmerich over like, oh, who's the biggest like action movie director for like these summer blockbusters? Roland Emmerich for, for context did Stargate, Independence Day. He did Godzilla. Godzilla was the one that everyone was like, oh, it's going to be the biggest movie of the summer. It was like, like, yeah. Literally, I'll never forget. It was like the ball dropped in Times Square on New Year's Eve and then everyone celebrated and then they went to commercial and the first commercial was all about Godzilla. It was like a teaser for Godzilla coming that summer. So like the moment we entered 1998, it was like, oh, this is going to be this, the year of Godzilla, which is great marketing. But the movie tanked. <laughs> Nobody liked it. Womp womp. Probably except but- my fiance. But I guess they Anything would be filming Godzilla. at the same time. They'd be filming at the same time. Godzilla oh. came out in May and then Armageddon came out at the end of June. So. I mean, that makes sense. I feel like, okay, me. why do you think it is that these like big blockbuster chunks of movies, they just don't happen anymore? COVID suspended a lot of projects for a lot of people, right? So let's yeah. take the last three years off the table. Yeah. But like. This just doesn't happen anymore like it did in the late 90s, early 2000s, right? I'll take it back here too, right? Because I think if you look at the ones that changed, I I think number one, 9-11 happening. Because again, all the ones before this were like giant world ending. Mm, That's a good point. World under like, you know, we're on the edge of Independence Day, even Godzilla, right? Like Armageddon. All these movies are like- was 1998 too, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think with all those like summer blockbusters, like the big ones, right? I, I put Titanic outside of it, but a lot of these things were like, oh my God, and the world almost, you know, ending yeah. kind of thing. And you compare that to the ones that we have now when it comes to like, oh, like the world could end at any moment. And they're all like superhero movies. They're all like things that are like, you can suspend a lot of belief because this is not the real world. Yeah. I think back then, like I remember like seeing Twister and being like, oh my God, I'm afraid of tornadoes now. You oh, watch Armageddon. Me. Oh, we have to do Twister. I need to bring my sister on. When I say we watch Twister, I, I yeah. wish this was an exaggeration. 
well over a hundred times. Yeah. We wanted to be storm chasers like you would not believe. Oh, yeah. You're like, let's save the soda cans. Yeah. So we can build our own machine. Whatever the fuck it was. The so, Dolly or uh, the Dolly, uh, yeah. Dorothy. So, Dorothy. Dorothy, I think you're right that it got too close to to reality. Yeah. Yeah. Once we had like real, That's oh my God, point. Like, this is, and then all of a sudden everything turned into, you know, Spider-Man and superheroes and X-Men. X-Men and Spider-Man are really the ones that kind of kicked off the superhero resurgence in like the early 2000s. Because those were the first ones that were like, oh, wow, superhero movies. Because all we had at that point was Batman. And remember, even at the end of the 90s, Batman became Batman and Robin, where it was like, you know, Batman pulls out his yeah. charge card. You know, it became campy, like the 60s show. So anyway, to answer your question, why don't we have these anymore? I think it became too real. And now everything is mm. like, oh, suspend belief. We'll do Star Trek. You know, we're in space. We're in the future. It's, it's all such a good point. And like to bring COVID back into it, it's kind of the same way where a lot of people, when the television shows, when their production stopped, when they picked back up. Yeah. People got pissed at Grey's Anatomy because Grey's Anatomy, which I understand why they did it. It is a show about a hospital and medical yeah. and like all this stuff. Of course, they're going to have a portion of the show that was yeah. COVID. But for people, it was like, no, it's still happening. I do yeah. not want to be watching this on TV. I'm already going through it. There's no escape for me here. So I get why people did not want to see COVID portrayed on television yeah. because it's still too close. Yeah. Which makes sense. Like. I mean, even 9-11 movies, they didn't come out for years and years and years and years and years until it became like, okay, it's safe now to put this out there. It's not right. triggering like that flight. Was it flight 90? 93 or whatever. I know 93, what you're yeah. About. yeah. Yeah. So Don't there, forget, I, I get there that. were a bunch of those. Like there was like the one with um, Nicolas Cage that came out. Like there was a bunch of those. And even and, Yeah. But again, even those, they didn't necessarily do that well because I think it played on a lot of the things that I think Michael Bay tends to do, which is even in like Transformers, like there's a giant robot thing with like an American flag in slow-mo falling behind it kind of thing. Like that's Michael Bay. It's all about patriotism, middle America, salt of the earth, you know, just all these like things to sort of ramp up people. It's placating to a crowd. I'll put it that way. For sure, but, for sure. But I think the difference is in, in 1998, we were like unabashed, like, Yes. You know, it doesn't matter who you were. It's like, yeah, no, I'm proud of America. Like, I'm we're Americans. Yay. And then it's really funny because juxtapose this with like, you ever watch the newsroom on HBO? Yeah. Like with like the entire show kicks off with Will McAvoy giving a speech about why America is not the greatest nation in the world. Right. Juxtapose Michael Bay's shots of farmland and people and middle America people Kids running around in slow motion with a space shuttle playing, you know, because oh, they're proud to be Americans to America is not the greatest nation in the world. I think we've again, there was an audience for this. And back then it was just like, oh, America, like keep in mind, you know, the entire world's about to end. And who's going to save us? America. It's a, it's the American astronaut. Not just America, but like that one drivers. Russian astronaut who was left on the space. That the <laughs> He's so funny. I like him. He's yeah, that's what he's there for. We're not going to dive into it because we're not going to do nearly as good of a job as the NSYNC podcast would do. Uh, yeah. But you can't think Armageddon without I Don't Want to Miss a Thing No, performed and by Aerosmith. I will say I had a conversation with Rachel and Aviv months ago and offhand it was just we were chatting on Slack and I just said, man, can you guys do an episode on Aerosmith's I Don't Want to Miss a Thing? Because for me, 
Not written by Aerosmith, by the way. I didn't know that until they mentioned it in their podcast. Yeah. The thing that's amazing to me is like Aerosmith was a classic rock band. Like, it was like my like my dad listened to that even in like the 90s, right? Because I listened to that. No, I, that's fair. But like their hits were all like in the 80s and like even like creeping into early 90s, right? Like that was crazy. And like songs like that was the closest you got. By 1998... Aerosmith wasn't pumping out hits. And then all of a sudden this comes out. And and beyond that, it's not even a rock song. Like there's an orchestra. And I'm like, how did this come together? Right. Again, go listen to the Instinct podcast. But like. Sure. There's I'll just touch on it. But this is right coming off of the heels of Celine Dion with Titanic. My heart will go on. Right. So that yeah. is like a massive power ballad hit. Yeah. And Diane Warren, who's a songwriter, mm-hmm. wrote the song. I don't want to miss a yeah. thing. But it was originally. I don't want to kiss a thing. I don't think that's correct. <laughs> but that's what it says here on uh, we can blame looper.com. But she wanted a pop diva, like another, like a Celine Dion situation. Yeah. And she said there was an interview with Barbara Streisand and her husband that she saw. And she said that her husband doesn't like to go to sleep because he misses her. And so Diane. Warren was like, that would make a great song. Like, I don't want to go to sleep because I'd miss you. Yeah. And that became like the central theme to I don't want to miss a thing. Yeah. But then the filmmakers really wanted Aerosmith to play the song where she really wanted like a female to do it. So they. Why Aerosmith? Was there a reason for that? I don't know. They wanted Steven Tyler's vocals and emotions. So in order to try and convince him to do it, because why the fuck is Aerosmith? Be like, yeah, I'll pass on this. But his daughter yeah. is the lead. So they showed them an early rough cut of the film. And when Liv Tyler is crying and she yells, daddy, and is like crying and her tears are coming down. He's like, fine, I'll do it. I'll do the song. I'll do it. I'll do it. (laughs) All right. Whether that's true or not, because there's already a typo in this article. I don't want to kiss a thing. Not right. It was I don't want to miss thing. Whether that's true or not, head over to the InSync podcast. They'll probably set us straight. But I guess that's a something. That Steven Tyler said when he was talking to MTV News. That's fair. That's That's fair. But like that summer, I remember you couldn't get away from that song. It was just everywhere. It was the song of the summer. It was. Yeah. There was a lot of people that said no to these parts. Oh, alternate universe. What Alternate universe. So Michael Bay on the film commentary said that his initial approach to Armageddon, he thought about Sean Connery who he just worked with on The Rock, would be Harry Stamper. Sean Connery's Harry Stamper wouldn't have sold it for me. Yeah, no, I I can't. And then he said that he went for Bruce Willis because he realized that real life roughnecks, which I guess is what you call people in an oil rig, if that is derogatory, I do apologize, wouldn't be sold. And they wouldn't be like the head of the oil rigger, I guess, wouldn't be as old as Connery was at the time. Okay. They would be much younger. Yeah. And then Ski Ulrich was Ugh. really popular from Scream. So yeah. he thought that he would be good as AJ. Yeah. And he says, <laughs> I turned down a couple of films just to do Armageddon. And then I turned down Armageddon and Ben Affleck got the part, uh, <laughs> which is hilarious. And also is- Nev Campbell was offered Liv Tyler's role and she turned it down. I could have seen that. Yeah, me too. But what's funny, I mean, if you think about that, if Liv Tyler didn't do the role, would we have even gotten We wouldn't have gotten Aerosmith. Yeah. Wowie kabowie. I just want to say that, like I talked about in the beginning, yeah. the scene with Chick and he like goes to the house and the yeah. he's obviously an absent father and his ex-wife is like, that's a salesman. <laughs> I'm like so sad for him. And then 
at the end when everybody comes back and they're heroes and he's like walking so sad because yeah. he's like, no one's here for me. And yeah. then the little boy who doesn't know him is apparently just accepted. This is my daddy now and just like runs to him with open arms. Again, I had to suspend belief. And then I was like, oh, it's so beautiful. But then also at the same time, I'm like, no, you're an absent fucking father. That kid is not running to you. Like, I can barely get my niece to run to me. And I babysit her once a week. Well, that's the thing. You don't understand what happened. See, when he was a deadbeat father, she wouldn't allow him to see to see. Yes. I know. I know. He's like, mom, the salesman's on TV. And suddenly it's like, that's your father. And now that he's, he's a mountain, now got a spaceship toy. <laughs> <laughs> also, at the end there, too, when everyone's like, you know, getting like they let anyone in because it's like, all right. Yeah, that's his uh, estranged ex-wife or baby. Mom, we don't really yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. And then Steve Buscemi has like the prostitute or stripper or whatever it was like run up and hug him again. Another woman who is just like, you're just a sex worker. That's that's your role. That's who yeah. you are. No woman in this movie at all. Zero. The closest you get is Commander Watts. I think her name is. I forget. Yeah. Like, yeah. Then is also upstaged by the Russian guy who just hits it with a with a wrench and then saves the day. She's running around the ship with papers mm-hmm. reading. Not notes. a great movie for feminists. I'll tell no, you. Again, opposite of Barbie. Not great. Literally the opposite. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> But I will say, too, I, I make fun of Michael Bay a lot, and he deserves it, right? Because, okay, so we have, he did Bad Boys, The Rock, Armageddon, Pearl Harbor, Bad Boys 2, Island, which I think is probably, like, the biggest departure from his style mm-hmm. a little bit. Then you have, like, the Transformers trilogy. Then he did this movie called Pain and Gain. Do you ever see that? With Mark Wahlberg, Dwayne Johnson? No, I didn't see that, and I can't believe I haven't because my fiancé would leave me for... Dwayne Johnson in a heartbeat. So I thought I've seen his full catalog. Well, the reason I wanted to mention it is because first off, I do recommend seeing it. It has a okay. terrible, terrible reviews on like Rotten Tomatoes and, and all those. It it's has fine. A, I don't go by those anyway. Right. But here's the thing. Michael Bay's schlock of like slow-mo and explosions and sweeping shots and all these other things. It's always like, oh, like eye rolling kind of like, all right, now you're, you're just doing this because you think it's yeah. cool. You're like literally like an adolescent boy. Pain and Gain is the only movie he's ever made where it's almost done tongue in cheek. It's sort of making fun of his style because it is a comedy. Like it's a it's a dark comedy, but it's done funny. And so all like the stylistic shots and stuff sort of connect to the mentality of these guys who think they're cool and think that this is all cool. So I recommend it if, if it's done in that aspect where it's just like, yeah, no, it's not taking itself seriously. And it's almost making fun of the Michael Bay movies. Yeah. Here's the thing. And I didn't know that until I did research for this last night, late night, Michael Bay is kind of a dick to the people he puts in his leads. Yeah. He made Ben Affleck. Mm -hmm. He took it out of the movie's budget. But he spent 20 grand on Ben Affleck's teeth for this movie. Did you know that? I only know it because of InSync. They they oh, mentioned it in their my episode. my fucking God. And when they were making Pearl Harbor, I guess he told Kate Beckinsale she needed to lose weight in order to be the lead. Like, she had to lose weight. And so she was, I guess, griping about it to Ben Affleck. And he was like, listen, he made me sit into a dentist chair eight hours a day for an entire week oh my God. to get new teeth. And she was like, well, I guess I, it's cool. I get to hang on to my teeth, but I'm just fat, yeah. according to him. And it's so funny, too, because when Steve Buscemi found out that 
that's what he was doing for he was like i want new teeth and and michael bay was hey, like what about no, me, you, michael? you can't get new teeth <laughs> you need to have bad teeth it's almost like they took all of ben affleck's bad teeth and gave it to my Steve gave Buscemi. it to me oh yeah also uh, is that the only kate beckinsale movie that <laughs> wasn't terrible probably i'm sort of we, sort of down on sorry it's not her kate fault. I don't think she's a bad actress. I think she just does stuff and that's it. You know, she had her own Underworld series, you know, good for her. But there's something about all the movies that she's in. It's like, why are all these movies really bad? I don't understand it. I, Uh, and you know. (sighs) I'm sorry. I feel bad for Kate Beckinsale. I really do. I do too. Yeah. I do too. Why don't we talk about the numbers for this movie? How much okay. it cost and how much it ended up costing? Because oh, it was Christ. pretty impressive, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the thing too, especially like around this time, keep in mind, these are the movies that were like, we're going to dump so much money into this. Oh my God. And how we're going to get so much back. Screenplay get rewritten. I know J.J. Abrams helped rewrite it. I got to give you credit or my wife really, because my wife said, she's like, oh, this is a J.J. Abrams movie. And I was like, no, J.J. Abrams isn't involved. She's like, I just saw his name in the credits. So I didn't yeah. realize, I guess, that he's still attached as a screenwriter for it, I guess. Is that There were so many people that rewrote this. And the Writers Guild of America was like, they had an arbitration committee that said only five people could attach their names to the movies and get the blockbuster boost on their credit resumes. Yeah. And so there were eight other writers that were involved in this and only five got credit. God. And the way it's broken down, too, you have screenplay by adaptation by story by and then is that it is there no written by i think that's it that might be it yeah so it's broken down in such a weird way like it's also like adaptation it's like adaptation from what from from the screenplay like it's just i didn't know that jj abrams oh my god he was on casper he helped write casper yeah the one the the 90s one yeah the 1995 with devin sauer are you kidding me (laughs) he says can i keep you we got to reacted that to a pillow like nine million times. So the movie cost. I'm seeing a hundred forty million dollar budget, but I don't. Oh I don't know what that. God. Yeah. A hundred and forty million dollar yes. budget, and it became the highest grossing film in '98. Yeah. How much did it gross? According to this, five hundred fifty three million. So it made back is, almost five times what it cost. Yeah. Okay, that's a lot. Oh, can I just also add to, and this is the other thing that I completely forgot. I was like, I got, I got to write this down because by the end, I'm going to forget it. Do you remember the beginning of the movie? The very beginning? So like the very beginning of the movie just gives you like a little like Charlton Heston narrate. Of course, it's going to be Charlton yes, Heston, right? Because man's man. It's just Charlton Heston being like, before man, the dinosaurs <laughs> ruled. And it's like this entire, literally like it's spoon feeding you like, all right, here's the world was hit by a meteor and it the sun and all this other stuff. It just gives you this entire like explanation about how, what happened to dinosaurs <laughs> for no reason. Well, it's funny because the asteroid that hit the dinosaurs was only six miles wide. And this that's one's the real, size of Texas, sir. <laughs> like 600 miles wide. Yeah. Tis not real, sir. Tis not again, real. Again, Michael Bay math where it's like, it is Michael Bay math. He was probably talking to the experts and they were like, so uh, how big was the asteroid that hit the Earth that killed the dinosaur? Uh, 60 miles. All right. In our movie, it's going to be 600 miles. Multiply by 100 or 1,000 or a million. That's how everything works in Michael Bay land. There are so many things. That, you know, like we, we always talk about this. Does certain movie things in movies hold up? Yeah. 
they call Steve Buscemi the hound because he's horny. And one of the first scenes of the movie of him on the oil rig when the FBI is coming and he's like, Harry, I swear to God, she didn't tell me how old she was. (laughs) And then when the FBI is like rounding them all up and he's in the bar and he's got his little monocle and he's looking at the lady's ring. No, no. Who's that lady? Uh, I forget the actress's name. We talked about her at length in another episode. I forget her name. Shawnee Smith. Okay, yes. And I didn't know her name then either. (laughs) She says, oh, it's baked, beautiful diamond. He's like, no, it's not. And then the FBI comes. And what's the first thing he does? How old are you? So now we're just all going to love Steve Buscemi, the... Just laugh track. The pedophile. Yeah. I but do that's like when he's it's like, get both off ways. the nuclear warhead and he's riding yeah. it like a. Well, it's funny. He, he, he references it incorrectly also, right? Because he's doing the thing from the Peter Sellers movie. Yeah. But they didn't even get that right. It's OK. It's OK. I really like it. This is the list of things where Amanda's just living in La La Land. And I'm like, oh, I love it. It's just still one of those movies like it's the same way I feel when I watch movies like Saving Private Ryan and like all these movies that are people rewatching like, oh, my God, this was so corny. And we thought it was a cinematic masterpiece. I still think it's a cinematic masterpiece, even though this did not get the best reviews. Right. Yeah. Did not. I'm OK with that. I There is a place for the Armageddon's and for like the Independence Days and all these yeah. other movies. Like, I think that's fine. All like the world ending, like unless we. This one person saves everything, right? It's always it's always one person. It's never a team. It's never any. It's just one guy, and that's all fine, right? There's a place for that. I, I get that. I'm not I'm not opposed to that, and I, and I actually enjoy it. Like I think Independence Day was like one of my favorite movies for a long time too. Like just that, you know, everything about it. I think Ronald Emmerich's better. At so it. now the big movies that people are going to have to make since we can't make movies about aliens anymore because they're real. Yeah. We mm-hmm. can't make movies about the world ending because it is. So now we're going to have to make movies about when things are nice. And everyone's yes. going, that's terrifying. And that would never happen. <laughs> I mean, we went from this to like Ted Lasso. So basically, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, you're right. I mean, what's what's even funny, too, is um, I don't know if you caught it. I don't know which version you watched or whatever. I watched whatever was free for me on Amazon Prime. That's okay. what I watched. Did your version have the World Trade Center with holes in it? And Oh, my God. No. If it did, I didn't realize it. Full disclosure, I was imbibing. Okay. Well, while watching some cuts of the movie have it cut out. But when all the meteors hit New York City, then there's this like panning shot and you see a like Swiss cheesed World Trade Center just standing oh there God. with holes in it. Completely ominous, especially like when this is what, a, you know, four years, three years before nine eleven. So on rewatches and stuff, apparently it's been cut out and removed from the film in a lot of places. So it's one of those things where like maybe it's a very New York thing, very central to us at New York. Whenever I see the World Trade Center in any movie, I get like a feeling like a. Yeah. Like, ooh 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 Yeah. Because it's not like, oh, look, this guy like the New York skyline has changed a lot. Right. There's a lot of like little skinny, (laughs) skinny Park Avenue buildings all over the place now. But obviously, like, I think. The Twin Towers, the Empire State Building, the Chrysler Building, like there's a handful of those that are like, oh, that's the New York City. The staple, the New York skyline. Staple, yeah. yeah. There's a bunch of movies like Die Hard with a Vengeance, right? We're mm-hmm. like prominently in the background. You see, like, oh, there's the World Trade Center right there. There it is. And so it's weird when we, yeah, when it's gone. It's even weirder when there are all like giant holes in it because it got hit by something flying in the sky. So I get why it's cut out, but yeah. yeah. 
But anyway, I did notice that where I was like, oh, wow, that's I'm surprised that hasn't been cut out of versions. And then sure enough, versions that I did not watch had that cut out. So fun facts. I don't know if mine did. I'll have to go back and watch. It's not like they went back and added, you know, logic to the movie. (laughs) Facts. And I saw that in the same aspect, ABC is the ones because obviously this and Forrest Gump are two of the most televised movies continuously on on networks and ABC took out, you know, the World Trade Center attacks. They took out that. And then following in 2003, the Columbia disaster, some of the screen captures from the opening scene where the Atlantis is destroyed. Yeah. They took those out as well. FX took those off. Yeah. It was supposed to air that night on FX and FX canceled that very quickly and put aliens on and said much better much better yeah much better because um, before it was like oh well at least we know this can't happen yeah not now folks did you know there was a theme park attraction for the movie what where at disneyland paris had an attraction we need to go to these other disneylands i can't pronounce this because i i never took french uh, i did armageddon less efforts speculox i can't do it Oh, I'm sorry. I can't see it. Uh, It was an attraction based on the movie at Disneyland Paris. It simulated the scene in the movie in which the Russian space station is destroyed. And Michael Clark Duncan was featured in the pre-show. R.I.P. Michael Clark Duncan. He was great, man. He was the best. We should do the Green Mile. Man, I I got It's so emotional, though. It is. And that's the thing, too. It's like, all right, well, when do I want to cry? That's going to (laughs) happen. We'll time it with my menstrual cycle, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Michael Clark Duncan was great. Incredible. He was a great actor. He was great in everything. So that's uh, Armageddon, folks. Hopefully this isn't a telltale sign of things to come. Yeah. Imagine an, an asteroid's coming to the Earth and they're like, somebody call Michael Bay. He knows yeah. what to do. No, no, no. You don't understand. In Michael Bay's, he would just show up and be like, hey, I heard there's an asteroid coming. Obviously, clearly I'm the most qualified. I've it's brought like, with me Steve right. Buscemi, yeah. Bruce Willis. <laughs> It's like, uh, sir, we have uh, scientists. It's like, no, you need, they don't know anything about space. I know about space. They can't build a tranny. Yeah. (laughs) I can. That was, yeah. What did Dale think? Because you said she had never seen it. Here's what's funny about it. My wife had never seen it before. And I don't know how she was feeling, but she was like playing Mystery Science Theater 3000 the whole movie, like pointing (laughs) out all the plot holes and like, and like, She'd be like, why is that happening? Didn't this just happen? I was like, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like this, this movie doesn't make it. So, sense. okay. Let me just say maybe because I've watched this movie as a 10 year old the first time. Yeah. Maybe that's why I can kind of suspend belief and like go back to that like warm, fuzzy feeling it gave me. Yeah. When I couldn't point yeah. out the logic. For what it's worth, I think the movie is so schlocky yeah. and so pandering that for me, I can't help but watch it and be like, oh, like roll my eyes at how there's the shot, like when the shuttle's taking off and Liv Tyler is in a hangar for no reason. She's just in a hangar looking out through the window of the hangar. But that's because there's a giant American flag that's as the size of the hangar behind her. And there's (laughs) flashes from the explosions of the shuttle and it's just lighting up the flag. Like the set pieces with lighting and everything just to show patriotism. Oh, if you own uh, any like clothing with the American flag on, I don't mean like, like, Oh, like the old Navy, like 4th of Mm -hmm. July things that all the kids had in 1998. I'm talking like, if you have an entire t-shirt, 
that is full bleed an American flag with some probably borderline with the Punisher offensive. logo on it. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> this is your movie. This is the type of thing where, like, you know, someone with a beer cozy drinking a beer, watching this movie. Probably why my dad loves it. Yeah. <laughs> Every shot with a flag just being. Yeah, or like every time they put down those nerds for trying to build things, I don't understand mechanics and engines and and transmissions and any of that stuff. That's where it's like, oh, stupid smart kids thinking they're gonna understand drilling. Like that's the stuff. That's that's also. I just want to say characters like William Fitchner, his character fucking have a volume. Like I'm watching this, I'm like, this man has the worst anxiety issues of any person. Everything, every time I'm talking, it's just talking like this. Yeah. He's like freaking out. His veins are popping. I'm like, Mr. Fitchner, <laughs> you know you got that good good up there. You got Xanax, you got whatever you need. You need to take one. <laughs> I do love him, by the way. He is oh, so Fitchner. Um, everything he's in. Do you ever see the movie Go? I had my brother-in-law oh, yeah. watch that for the I first time. I love William Fitchner. Yeah. Just how creepy and weird he is in the movie Go is is great. He's in Contact. You know, he's in, oh, he's in Independence Day Resurgence, too. I haven't seen that because, you know. You know, like you have movies where, like, I watch this and it makes me think about how much I like watching this. Every yeah. time I watch Con Air, I think, like, oh, I should watch rewatch Armageddon. Every time I watch Armageddon, I'm like, I should rewatch Con Air. And I think it's strictly because uh-huh. Steve Buscemi yeah. is so good in both movies like he's just such a fucking creep in both movies and i love it by the way that's the other thing too that's a little bit jarring for me is how michael bay is like oh man i loved how you were the weird guy in that movie i'm making a new movie i'm gonna cast you as the weird guy in my new movie like everyone not fixing your teeth right (laughs) yeah i mean even ben affleck i'm surprised ben affleck worked with him again like not like they had anything bad. Yeah, with right. Each other, ben Affleck like, was probably like, I just cut fucking twenty thousand dollar veneers. <laughs> yeah, he's like, maybe they'll give me a facelift for uh, yeah, Pearl Harbor. Knows? I mean, who knows what I'm gonna get? Yeah, his teeth in Goodwill Hunting, which we just talked about last night. Yeah, he's got normal teeth. Yeah, but like you can tell they're not veneers. Yeah, We're in this one. Yeah, Hollywood smile, baby. Yeah, I don't want to close my eyes. I anyway. wish I could get cast in something so that they would give me twenty thousand dollar veneers. <laughs> I'll take you should it. put that on your resume. Just apply for roles and be don't like, don't have yeah, to no, pay I'm... me. Just get me some veneers. I mean, does Michael Bay still do that? He did. You know, does he get anyone else plastic surgery on his movie? Let's ask now? Megan Fox. Didn't uh, you get fired from Transformers? Yes, she did. Okay. I never know who whose side to take on those or like who to like when I say side to take. I mean, like who to believe in yeah. like the stories because yeah, I don't know. But we'll dive into that some other yeah. day when we tackle that franchise. Oh. But you know, you are right though, and as like far as Michael Bay is concerned, it's like, yeah, no, Michael Bay's not the nicest guy in the world either. So, so. I've heard. So yeah. I've heard. But um but yeah. All right, and, guys. But, well I, that's Armageddon. That's Armageddon. Released on July first. Are we supposed to do Deep Impact next or no, not doing that. No, it's getting too close to home, Tom. Yeah. Aliens are out. <laughs> okay. UFOs have been sighted. The government's all about it. We can't do space movies anymore. <laughs> no more space. We movies. do interstellar. We need to bring on like a NASA scientist actually explained to us the black hole oh. interdimension. Because even when I think I understand it, I'm like, well, now my fucking brain hurts. I don't know what's happening. She's that touching him too. Is that movie, when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to science or logic, that movie is the complete opposite where it's like, I don't understand any of it, but if I, if it's explained to me and like, you know, people who are smarter than me are like, oh, no, yeah, this does actually make sense. I'm like, I don't understand it because it's too smart. And whereas with Armageddon, it's like the spaceship go around the moon fast. Yay. 
said, and like, it's that's... funny because in Interstellar, maybe that's what we should do next. The movie that has nothing to do with science and the movie yeah. that everyone yeah. <laughs> in the space science world is like, yeah, this is like yeah. spot on. They're like the way the reflection, refraction <laughs> of light hitting the black hole is the most realistic depiction of it's like, all right. OK, versus... if you say so. But I mean, come on, how come they didn't slingshot around the moon after being in space for 90 minutes? Come on. Like, oh God. <sighs> we'll have your son on for the Interstellar one. Wasn't he watching it? He loves Interstellar. He loves it. Okay. And I, We're going to yeah. do Interstellar guest host Wes. Yeah. And he can just, li- he'll probably know 10 times the facts we do. And be, he'll explain to us what, how the black hole light refraction works. I mean, the thing is that movie, like the music in that movie makes it that that's a whole yeah, other story. It's but, um, incredible. Which, by right. the way, it, am let's I, get in sync to do that one with us before we give up. Um, yes. Who did the music on this movie? Because I thought I heard an answer that shocked me. I don't know. I'm Googling it. OK. It's is Trevor Rabin. And Henry Gregson Williams. Yeah. OK. Never mind. I, I thought I heard something that I didn't believe. I thought I heard Danny Elfman did the music for the movie. We just want Danny Elfman to do the music to everything yeah. we talk about on this podcast. <gasps> do you know what else Trevor Rabin did? Can I let me guess without even looking? Con Air. Uh, of course. Again, once and he locks, my favorite, and I'm not embarrassed to admit this, like okay. truly one of my favorite movie franchises, and I am not saying Harry Potter, Uh-oh. National Treasure. You know, I've never seen those. Shut the Never fuck up. That is my Star Wars. Oh, God. Okay. I am obsessed. We must watch these. All right. You're going to hate them. <laughs> Why do I have to suspend all logic again? Well, do you love Nicolas Cage the way I love Nicolas Cage? I love Nicolas Cage, yeah. Okay, then you're in. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for you to watch National Treasure. I love them so much. <laughs> All right, I'll have to save it. Okay. I don't understand this love, but okay, I'll take I it. it so much. <laughs> I love puzzles, and it's like they go hunting for puzzles, so that's yeah. why I love it. Okay. All right. Well, I have to go take my fiance to the doctors. All right. Well, good talk. Bye. See you guys. Bye. Didn't you see Apollo 13, boy? A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109.